Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View. I hope you had a great weekend. This is the show that celebrates the men and women who are so focused on making this place such a great place to live, work, and play. Today's show is one I've really been looking forward to. I look back in my time at the Sun-Herald and the work that I did in the community, both both before, especially after Katrina, and I had the opportunity to meet so many dedicated people, so many people who were doing so much heavy lifting on behalf of coastal Mississippi. You know, they're just big, big sacrifices. That's the way I would say it. And um, and so I had so many on this show. If I, I go to the list, actually, of those who have not been on the show yet, the show is the list is getting shorter. That's the good news. The list is getting shorter. Uh, so as I work to create this sort of uh, digital history book of Coastal Mississippi, talking to the George Slogals and the Roland Weeks and the John Hairstons and a long list of others, the Jerry St. Pays, um, gosh, that's important. But someone who is sort of in that same realm, who I've really, really, um, well, not only was impressed with during during the difficult moments, but someone who I saw led with a with a heart and led with a wonderful soul, who was a great connection to coastal Mississippi. And the interesting thing about this next guest is she came here to work in the gaming industry, I think in June of 2005. So you do your math. Katrina hits in August. So she got her welcoming committee was Katrina. I can't wait to hear more about that. Anyway, I want to invite my friend Karen Sock, who is now the president and CEO of Sock Enterprises. We'll talk more about what that is here in just a second. But Karen, how you doing, my friend? It's great to see you. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you, Ricky. It's good to see you, too. So where are you sitting right now? I'm sitting in the sunroom in my house. Yes, yeah, nice and light, white. Yes, you know, for, yes for the, it is. I see the, is that an elephant behind you? What's that that I'm looking at? Yeah, that's an elephant. Uh, and uh, he's he's painted on cloth. But as you may know, the elephant with the trunk going up is an old Irish folklore that brings good luck. So I used to collect a lot of elephants, but I only have a few because many of them got blown away. But uh, <laughs> I just think having them around is a nice thing. So, listen, we have a connection. Um, I worked for Advanced Condé Nast, and they owned Uh-oh. the Cleveland newspaper and uh, Cleveland.com as well. And you grew up in Cleveland. And uh, you know, it's going to be up- interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm the oldest of five kids. Uh, when I was, I think, 12 or 13, uh, we went to catechism. I was baptized Catholic and went to St. Wenceslaus middle school. And then in high school, I went to Hoban Dominican High School, all girls Catholic high school. The Dominican nuns taught us. They were really tough. They taught us, they educated us. They roller skated with us. They taught us how to change tires and change oil and how to run a business. I remember in the ninth grade that we even had a language lab. We all had computers and headsets way back then. So I had a wonderful foundation 
And uh, I graduated from Hoban Dominican. I was a class president, class vice president, very active. And then I went on to Cuyahoga Community College, which is a local college. I went there for two semesters and then this guy from Wright State University came on campus and recruited some folks to go down there. So I went to Wright State with my four best friends and we had been kept pretty close at home and I had a ball. I went to every party and, <laughs> and did all the things I should not do. And I was sent home on academic suspension. And my mother was furious and she told me, you get a job and I don't want to see you unless you're going to it or returning from it. And so I got a job in a hotel and my first transfer was to Napa, California. Then I worked in San Francisco <laughs> Then I came to Chicago where I met and married my husband and had my only kid. Um, then my husband got transferred uh, to New Orleans and I was able to transfer um, as well. I worked at the Crown Plaza, which was owned by Joe Camazaro. He's yeah. a big part of my professional development and I live in his community here, here at Tradition. So along the way, there have been so many blessings and so many people that tapped me on the shoulder and supported me uh, to have a really fabulous career. Joe Canizero from, from Biloxi. He's made so many yes. contributions in New Orleans and, of course, traditions in St. Patrick's High School and all those wonderful campuses that are happening there. His vision, his vision is incredible, isn't it? It really is unbelievable. If he says he's going to do something, you can count on it. And I remember um, after Katrina, when we had lost everything, like so many people here, um, I ran into Gerald Bussey and he said, you know, Joe Canizaro is developing a community. And I had just told my husband, we live on the back bay. There's When it rains, I can't even sleep because I'm afraid that we're going to have another situation and our belongings will be <laughs> destroyed. So we came out here to look look at the community. And um, so I told my husband, I'm going to put the house on the market. And he's like, okay, whatever, Karen. And so we put the house on the market. It sold in seven days. So we had to rent a condo on the beach <laughs> for a year <laughs> while our home was being built here. And I haven't looked back. So when I came to the Gulf Coast, it was, it was an exciting opportunity as Caesars Entertainment was expanding and they bought the property in Gulfport and the property in Biloxi. And then 10 weeks later, it, it blew away. So it was really quite an experience. But, you know, even through that, as I think back on it, and I lived in the Knight Nonprofit Center, we pulled the office furniture out. We had cots in there. The office to send an 18-wheeler, half of it women showered in, the other half men showered in. We cooked food on hot plates and all those kinds of things. But as I think back, how many people were just totally devastated? Our staff members had to come for clothing. We had a clinical psychologist. We had a medical doctor giving tetanus shots and making sure that they were okay. And then for about 15 months, we kept a clinical psychologist on staff on property because a lot of times people would just have an emotional breakdown because there was so much on them. And even though this was a difficult time, I'm so grateful that I had a husband, I had a daughter, I had a job, I had resources, I had emotional support, and many people didn't have that. So yeah. even through that, it was okay. If you, if you go back, it's such an interesting time. By the way, the Sun-Herald did the same thing. We had a, we had a, a psychologist who worked out of our offices for for a good long time? I don't many 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 months, mm -hmm. and a medical doctor as well. We did the shots just as you discussed, um, 
but it was a, it was an evolution and employees really needed that. And it was very accepted that, that this person was here and that, you know, no one hid the fact that they would go in and talk to them. Everybody was having their own challenges in different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, what I remember about Caesars during that time, of course, you know, keep in mind for people who were not here during that time, we had the Grand Casino that was in Gulfport and Biloxi Caesars Entertainment bought them. And uh, I got to know many of the executives at Caesar during that during that transformation. In fact, after the storm, I took one of them over to Gulfport as uh, Rick Carter was actually in the process of renovating after Rick and them had bought that facility, and he was mm-hmm. so impressed with how it was turning out. But mm-hmm. but anyway, um, Harris owned where the Knight Nonprofit Center is today, and through a lot of uh, you know gyrations, ultimately Harris was able to help us with that building, turn it over to the community, to the community foundation, and uh, and, a, and a, a collaboration of others to uh, to create the Knight Nonprofit Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, man, that was a that was a really trying time. And you know, your focus was on how do we get back opened again as soon as possible, mm-hmm. and how do we keep as many employees still here as 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 as, uh, as many as possible. And it, there was a lot to think about during those days, wasn't there, Karen? Yeah, they there were, and the the company leadership was really focused on how many people can we relocate so that they could keep working. Um, how many people can we bring back to work and how do we make those decisions? And I remember at one point um, as we brought people back to work and the market was a little soft at first and then it, it started to build back over time. But I had to lay some people off. And I remember yeah. calling my boss and saying, you know, this is an awful thing. And I would like to give people an opportunity to choose if they want to step away. And um my leadership team were smart young people, but none of them had ever laid anybody off before. So I had a series of meetings and I said, look, this is the worst thing that as a leader I could ask you to do, but I need to leave. 70 people need to leave. And I was shocked. 75 people raised their hands and said, I will step away. I could work on my home. So-and-so has kids. I mean, the heart that went into the decisions that they made was unbelievable. Yeah, what we'll do when we come back on the other side, we'll continue this conversation and tell how the the aftermath of Katrina, especially for a casino executive, was a really trying time, but also a very inspiring time, as, as Karen was about to point out. This is Karen Sock. We'll continue on the other side. We'll see you after this break. live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. So many memories are conjured up as I'm having this conversation with Karen Sock who I worked with in the community in so many different ways. 
And, of course, when Katrina hit, she had tremendous responsibilities for Caesars here in coastal Mississippi. And we were just talking about this um, this this request that she made of her team and people were raising their hand knowing what that meant to raise their hand that they would step back for some period of time you said 75 75 raise their hand um karen that's you know when you when the going gets tough the tough get going you learn a lot about character in those moments don't you absolutely character and heart and decency and humanity you learn a lot yes you do what I remember is interesting because uh, the Knight Ritter owned the Sun Herald, and right after Hurricane Katrina, McClatchy came in to buy the Sun Herald. They heavily leveraged themselves to buy, excuse me, buy Knight Ritter. Um, so I was very aware of the billions of dollars that it co- it costs for McClatchy to buy Knight Ritter at a time when newspapers were already being challenged. I was always surprised by that. The rest of the story is McClatchy ultimately filed bankruptcy, sadly. But I remember also the Caesars in the aftermath of Katrina, they were also in a big significant uh, move of buying things. I remember them having like seven or nine billion dollars worth of debt. So so this whole notion of of the challenges we were having in coastal Mississippi playing out in the context of this larger organization, it was uh, there was a lot to think about, wasn't there? There was there was a lot of there was a lot to think about. There was a lot um, there was a lot on the line. But I'm gonna tell you, those executives are smart up there. <laughs> those, uh, they have some very smart strategic financial folks uh, under the helm. That's for sure. So so we're all in, engaged in the in the recovery effort. Does someone along the way, does someone, some regional vice president, or someone say, Karen, we need you just to double down in every way that you can? Be engaged in the community, work in the community, play a role in helping Coastal Mississippi come back. Or is that just something that was just ingrained in you to do that? Well, it's ingrained in me to do that. And I don't know how you could live here and see what was going on and not raise your hand to provide all that you can do. And as, as a leader, there are certain things that uh, that that are just part of your DNA is that that you step up and sometimes it's, it's not comfortable and there's a but in leadership, there's a big responsibility that comes with that. You know, it's easy to have the celebrations and hand out the bonus checks, but <laughs> but when it's tough, that is really determines what kind of leader you are, how you stand up and support others during the tough times. And Karen, you look back at that moment, and this is one of the things that I feel so privileged to do. With COSU is to, is to focus on those leaders that help us get to this moment that we had the opportunity to work shoulder to shoulder with. We were we were just you know we were surrounded by people who were just incredibly selfless. They were burning the midnight oil. I don't know when. I know when. I, I know I didn't sleep very much. I can tell you that. Well, I you went, know, one, do you remember one person that was particularly outstanding to me with Anthony Tapazzi? Yes. Uh, he's, yes. He's no longer with us, but I remember going to that business meeting, and he said, "We need to come together as business leaders. We have money to recover. We need to work together to bring our community back to its feet." And he was a tremendous leader uh, from a from a broad community standpoint and i had the greatest admiration for what i saw him do yeah anthony and i were close before the storm we were joined at the hip after the storm and uh, and 
you know, he was a, I often referred to him as kind of a bull in the china shop because you couldn't, he wouldn't take no for an answer. That's and right. frankly, you know, his responsibility for the governor's commission was infrastructure. That was his responsibility. As the president of Mississippi Power, they had all their challenges they were dealing with. But then he was, uh, you know, through his infrastructure committee, he was developing a plan, literally a, just as we were doing in, in tourism and others had their responsibilities on the governor's commission. He was building this plan that was going to enable Haley, who was spending so much time in Washington lobbying both Democrats and Republicans to get us the billions of dollars that we were going to need to rebuild coastal Mississippi. But his role, Anthony's role in that was just so significant. And in fact, um, I've said this many times, I do plan to actually circle back with uh, maybe John Harrison and George Slogan and Jerry St. Payne and a couple of others and tell Anthony's story. Anthony's role in the aftermath of Katrina, because of the role he had as as the chairman of the infrastructure committee, cannot be understated. Uh, how excuse me, cannot be overstated how important that was. And he he went on to uh, he left Mississippi to be um, be involved with uh, Southern Company. And had significant responsibilities there, and then ultimately contracted Lou Gehrig's disease and ALS, and uh, and died of that. And we had the opportunity to go up and visit with him not long before that. And we tell you something touching, Karen. So Anthony um, is breathing with the aid of um, of a respirator. Of course, as we as Jeff Duncan and I have talked many times on this show, Steve Gleason about Steve Gleason because J- Jeff Duncan who's on my show every Monday, excuse me, every Friday, he um, he is writing the book about Steve Gleason. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a just a, it ravages your body, but it doesn't yeah. take your mind away. And so we're sitting there. It was George Slogan and I think John Hairston and two or three others of us were there with him at his house in, in Birmingham. And um, he he got my attention, and he he, he just wanted he, he wanted me to look at him. And he said he got he got uh, someone to get a, a um, iPad in front of him, and he struggled to get the iPad to go to a certain number of pictures. And the picture that he wanted to show me was a picture of Haley Barber and Anthony and me having a conversation. Uh, about the recovery effort, and he just wanted me to see that, and and just wanted it meant so much to him that that in that interesting that's that's what it he is. wanted to show it me. It shows that his mind was is going, and he can remember an important moment in time like that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. truly amazing. I remember I was on the executive committee with him of the Gulf Coast Business Council when he was uh, the chairman, and um, after one of the meetings, I asked him, would he perform in the CEO talent show, which is a fundraiser for the United Way? And he said, yeah, I'll do it. And I knew that if Anthony would do it, that all the rest of the leaders across the coast would do it. And he was amazing. He dressed up as Marilyn Monroe. Somebody flew a dress in from L.A. They had a professional makeup artist. People didn't know who he was. <laughs> and, uh, he sang happy birthday to you. And he sat on a desk and he had a kid sitting there that was supposed to be the president. It was hilarious. <laughs> he really he really loved the outdoors. He loved to hunt. And at, it was kind of sad, actually, in his in his house in Birmingham. He had a, a, a an area where you could practice your golf swing and he had a pool table and some you know things to watch TV. He had some some of his deer heads from past hunts that were there. It was sad in that he it was a, this is this vision for this play area that he wanted to have but unfortunately with his ALS he couldn't go downstairs now 
it was just that was that was hard to see but he left a wonderful legacy and again one day we're gonna we're gonna focus on him but you know we we were surrounded with people like that that were giving their heart and soul and energy Mm -hmm. and Um, and passion to bring Coastal Mississippi back. And I think that, you know, when we talk about resiliency, which is something you know really well, the ability to bounce back, one of the things that makes Coastal Mississippi so well, so strong in that area, is that we have seen it, we've been at the depths of despair. You can just say it the way it is. Mm -hmm. And we crawled our way back out of it. And what we learned about ourselves and our fellow neighbors, and what I learned about you during that process um, it made it makes us have more confidence and and what and the kind of leaders that are, that exist here in coastal Mississippi. So if we're ever hit again, in some respects during the tran- during the pandemic, I felt like we had a leg up on other communities because we knew what it's like to bounce back. Mm-hmm. It helped us make faster decisions. It helped us sort of embrace the moment as tough as it may be and move forward. But that's what we observed, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we're tough cookies. I got to say that it's a, it's a special group of people here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So, Karen, you continue on in your in your um, your gaming experience. So continue the, the story of coming back after Katrina and sort of the rest of your gaming story. So we came back. The decision was finally made to come back and to use the banquet space that uh, and turn it into a small casino. So that's what happened. And uh, I think it was a, a week or two after we opened and the Beau Rivage opened and the IP Casino opened. So slowly but surely, uh, the, the market started to come back. However, it was a slow, it was a slow comeback. So the gaming industry employed all these people, which was fabulous for the Gulf Coast. And even during Katrina, during the recovery pe- uh, process, all of the gaming companies paid their employees through the end of the year and kept their health care uh, intact, which was unbelievable. But all the companies did that. And um, and then slowly, 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 the business came back. And I just remember um, you had Luann Pappas on uh, just before we got here. Well, Luann came to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. My boss, who was at the time, was John Payne. Hey, let's do this. Let's let's let's. I don't want to have to cut you off at the end of the segment. When okay. we come back on the other side, we'll talk about Karen's connection to John Payne and and Luann Pappas on the other side. We'll okay. see you after this. Okay. for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Karen Sock. We've worked in the community 
I, I literally, I guess, since the day you landed here in June of 2005, not long yes. before Hurricane Katrina, which is why Katrina is such a, a big part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. But when we went to break, you were mentioning John Payne. You can explain to people who John is. And then Luann Pappas, who had had a 30-year career at Harris mm-hmm. before moving over to uh, the Scarlet Pearl. But mm-hmm. But you can pick it up from there. Okay, so uh, it was after Hurricane Katrina. We had just opened. The market was building slow, so our business was building slow. John Payne came to me at the time. He was the regional president, division president. So he had a big job. He was based in New Orleans, and he came down to see me. He said, Karen, you could use some marketing support. And I said, I definitely could. could." Mm. So he said, well, uh, Luann Pappas is um, available, and uh, I'd like you to have a conversation with her. Do you know her? And I said, oh, yeah, I know Luann. We had met her at many conferences and she was well known across the company as a dynamic and strong marketer. So Luann comes down to visit and we had a conversation and I said, uh, you think you, you would want to do it? She said, I don't know about Mississippi Karen. I just don't know. So I convinced her to join us as a consultant, as a marketing consultant. And she did that for maybe about Oh, maybe somewhere between three and six months. And then I offered her the VP of marketing job and she took it. And John was right. She was the strongest analytical marketer in the company. And she knew the marketing vehicles in and out. And we would sit down together and make decisions about how. And so when I left, so when when she got there, the property was struggling. When I left the property in July of 2008, we were number three in the market behind Beau Rivage and the IP. So that'll give you some idea about our journey. It was really, really something. And I'm really proud of the team and what we accomplished. And Luann was a major contributor to that. And that's why she is, that's where she's where she is today. Cause she, well, she, she went on to be the regional vice president of marketing. Yes. And when I left uh, the Sun Herald, went to Mobile for a couple of years, same company and joined uh, the team in New Orleans as president of the media group, um, you know, I had known Luann here, but then began crossing paths with her over in New Orleans. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a small world, though, it's isn't it, Karen? It's a small world. Listen, it's a small world, and you better be nice in it, because you never know when you're going to circle around and run into those Ooh, same people. buddy, I say that all the time. <laughs> the people who burn bridges, and of course, being a publisher, and you, you've, you know, you've seen yes. people like this in your career. People yes. will burn the bridge, and they will regret it. And usually, I, you know, I'll let, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't hold grudges. You know what I'm saying? I, right. I move forward because I do believe what goes around comes around. It is a very, very small world. You never know when you're going to connect with someone. That there's a actually a great lesson for the young people who are listening, or maybe some of the older people who are listening who haven't learned this lesson yet. Um, treat people with dignity and respect, and it will come back in spades. You, you, you just never Absolutely. know how Absolutely. a relationship will come back again. Do you? <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, so your 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 tenure at at, um, at Harris went on for how long, and then where did you do, where did you go after that? Well, after I left Harris in uh, two thousand eight, I had I had set up Sock Enterprises Inc. I knew that I was going to leave at some point, uh, and I think that the whole Hurricane Katrina scenario. <laughs> had pretty much taken its toll. And so I said, let me let me do some consulting. And so I started a consulting company and I did a lot of work in the nonprofit sector. And then Tom Brosey called me and he said, I need you to do some consulting with me for Margaritaville, a casino on the back bay, a small casino. And I said, okay. So we went to Margaritaville corporate offices and I said, this looks like an exciting opportunity. I'd like to be an investor and to be a part of your team. So we did that. 
and we had a great opening, but we did, we were undercapitalized. And that was a big issue that we didn't have enough money to grow the casino in size and scope as quickly as we needed to. And we took a non-traditional marketing uh, position in a very competitive market. So when you're a little guy and you don't have enough money to compete against the big guys, that's not a smart decision. So to make a long story short, that didn't work out. <laughs> well, what I remember, Karen, what I remember for people who don't know this history, what I remember is that even the Gaming Commission made an adjustment in their normal selection criteria, their normal approval process around they they typically wanted to have a casino open with some commensurate investment in hotel space and number of hotel rooms etc in the case of margaritaville they made an exception thinking that the jimmy buffett you know piece of that would give it the legs it needed but as it turned out certainly that was important for sure but as it turned out not having a commensurate investment in uh, a hotel turned out to be a really significant issue yeah, it did. It did. That was that was the bottom line. So at the at the end of the day, it came down to our marketing strategy and lack of capital. And so the property did not make it over the long term. But you had uh, you had Karen Sock, uh, excuse me, Sock Enterprises that you had formed. And when I read about your company, it was you, you do strategic and business planning, leadership and staff development, board development, project management, keynote speaking, fundraising, diversity, equity, inclusion workshops. You, you, you really have covered the spectrum, but that's turned out to be a pretty good gig for you, hasn't it? It really has given me a lot of flexibility. And again, I'm so grateful for my career in the gaming and hospitality industry because everything I used as a leader, I could use in my in my company today. So um, I'm a one person shop. I do a lot of work in the, in the nonprofit sector. Uh, but the thing that I'm most passionate about is my program Pathways to Possibilities. And I think you know about that. Um, uh, back in 2011, the Jackson County uh, Chamber of Commerce, they had their education committee went to visit uh, a program over in Alabama, Mobile, called Worlds of Opportunity, and it was developed by Southwest Alabama Workforce Development Council. And it was a career expo that focused on the trades. So um, Diane Payne, who was the executive director of Jackson County Civic Action, had hired Paige Roberts to do some consulting work for her, and she also hired me to do some consulting work for her. And uh, the two of us, uh, she had a meeting with us and said, we would, I would like for you all to develop something similar to Worlds of Opportunity. So Paige and I put our heads together. Paige had been an educator and obviously um, a celebrity on WLOX, and I was a casino president. So between us, we knew every person up and down the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So we had a meeting at the, um, the uh, on the 15th floor at the, uh, the Great Southern Club. And we called together the leaders of the community and laid out what we planned to do, and, and they gave us their support. So we did our first Pathways to Possibilities hands-on career expo with all the business and industry um, committed to support us at the Mississippi Gulf Coast Convention Center in 2013. 6,000 eighth graders came to the event, <laughs> to the event, and we've had one ever since then. This will be our, our 10th year. Um, in 2019, as you know, Paige had just gotten her master's degree, so she's now the president and CEO of the Jackson County Chamber, and I'm so proud of her. That's her big 
opportunity and she's invested a lot of time in both industry and in her education. And I thought it was a wonderful opportunity for her. We continue to be great friends and we talk uh, pretty often. And um, and I've continued. So after we did the Mississippi Gulf Coast and Paige and I went to North Mississippi and did a project with the Create Foundation and they continue to, to work with their students in the eighth and 10th grades. Um, and then from there, uh, we were called to do some work in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So we lifted up a P2B in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They're still doing that. Uh, then I did uh, Central Mississippi, which is Jackson. It's the third year there. Um, I'm going back for the third year at um, Covington, Tennessee. Uh, so they're doing a project there. I just launched the first one in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I'm going back to the Mississippi Delta next week. I leave on Sunday for the fifth annual P2P Mississippi Delta. We'll have 2,500 eighth graders from 13 counties. So since 2013, we've hosted 115,000 eighth graders across the state of Mississippi. We have a study, a longitudinal study with the University of Mississippi uh, Center for Research Evaluation. Um, that's uh, Dr. Sarah Mason and her team. They do a great job uh, for us, but it's showing that it's meaningful. Um, you know, Dr. John McKee at Digestive Health, he comes to P2P, a medical doctor, two days he invests there. And he told me this last year, Karen, I'm starting to have students call me and say, I'm preparing to go to medical school. Which are the best schools in Mississippi to go to? Can I get fellowships? How do I avoid getting a lot of, being in a lot of debt when I finish? So, you know, when, when you see these things come full circle, I went to the IT pathway and a young man he kind of looked like a brown-skinned Harry Potter tall kid. He said, Miss Karen, I came to P2P in the eighth grade. Now he's working in IT at Memorial Hospital. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, <laughs> that's what makes me excited, you know. <laughs> well, you know, God, there's a lot to unwrap there. But, you know, right off the bat, Paige Roberts is a, is a good friend of Coast View, a good friend of mine. Her work in the community is incredible. You think about the yes. work that Tish Williams and Adele and yes. Paige and others are doing. Yes. That you know, chamber work is so much more about building value in the community. It's about it's about community building now and grant writing and being partners with the mayor and the city council and all these different aspects. It's great, but it's what it is is the sum total of all these experiences they've had. Because Adele, having been at the Knight Foundation and and um, uh, Habitat for Humanity, and you know, you had Paige had been at Red Cross and WLOX, which obviously great, gave her great connections and went on to complete her education and now with the chamber. But it's just uh, the accumulation of this. Uh, Tish, who had foundation experience before she came to Bay St. Louis and how she leveraged that experience after Hurricane Katrina. Just amazing. Just so amazing. Really hey, we're going to continue our conversation with Karen Sock on the other side. We'll see you after this. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Karen Sock. Karen Sock. I don't know anyone who hears that name who doesn't smile and doesn't see a person who has tremendous care for the community, a great big heart, a passion for what she does. 
I mean, I, I worked. I don't know. I, I probably worked with you in the chamber, the business council, but United Way. Was, I yes. mean, you, all the things that everybody did at some point along the way, you, you and I crossed paths in, in all of those. But we were chatting a little bit about the collaboration that you and Paige did and how exciting it is to see this connection with young people and unlocking their potential and how that's spread across America in some, some respects. Um, your company's involved in a lot of other stuff as well, but before, hey, actually, before we go too far, much further, you heard what I said about Adele and Tish and Paige yes. and this accumulation of knowledge and all of that. Yes. That's kind of the story of Coastal Mississippi, isn't it? Absolutely it is. It is the story of Coastal Mississippi. And going back as far as George Slogel having a dream of being the head of the bank and then the mayor of the city. So just think about all those people that are so in love with their community and they planted a seed, they had a vision, and then they worked toward achieving those outcomes, and they have. And I look at, you know, you look at the mayors across coastal Mississippi, Billy Hughes, and how he yes. a successful businessman, time in the legislature, Fofo Gillich, and the work that he did. I mean, he didn't have to be mayor. You think about the mayor of Pascagoula and the work yes. that he did as a dentist and then later in, in advising in, in dentistry across America. Billy Knight, one of my favorite mayors on yes. the coast, Billy Knight. Here he is in his 80s, and yes. there's no stopping this guy. Um, all of them, none of them had to be mayor. They didn't, you know, they, they're, they define their role as mayor today as just something that they want to do to give back to the community. We're blessed in that way. And, you know, you, you said something that was very important. You said in his eighties, you know, we have to do a better job. We talk about ageism. We make assumptions about people no matter their age. So when I think of ageism, I don't only think of older people. I just turned 70, but I'm 35 in my mind, and I try to live like I'm, 30, you know, like I'm 35 years old, enjoying every moment of every day. You know, sometimes bad things happen to good people, but the way that we, the way that we take those experiences and process them and decide, I'm going to keep living. My dad was married to my mom for 68 years. His parents signed for him to marry when he was 19. Yeah. The last two years of her life, she was out of the hospital. She was in the hospital so much that he was pretty much on his own. Then when she passed away, this is the first time in his life that he can do what he wants to do. And you know what? He's having a great time, and I'm happy for that. And what's 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 remarkable about your about your story is that you yourself had a bout with uh, breast cancer along the way. Yes. And um, mm -hmm. and you, you I had early breast cancer and I had a lumpectomy. They cut it all out and, and I had 33 radiation treatments and I thought, OK, this is over with. Let me keep going. I never talked about it. I didn't think about it unless I had to go to a treatment. Well, then five years later. Um, it comes back, it metastasizes to my bones. And so it really devoured, a solid tumor devoured the number six vertebrae in my neck. And um, there's no cure for that. So I go to Memorial Hospital, Dr. Allison Wall is my doctor. I take a small tablet. And then every three months I get a shot of, of, uh, of uh, Exgeva to protect my bones. And I take calcium and vitamin D and I keep going now. I know. So every day that the eyes open, this is what I say. Every day that the eyes open, it's a good day. So you can get hit by a car and you can mope or you can do. So I'm very fortunate because if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know that something is wrong. So come March, it'll be eight years that I have lived with stage four metastatic breast cancer. There is no cure. 
but I have a wonderful treatment plan that's been very effective. And I am truly grateful for every moment of every day. I got a wonderful husband, a beautiful, smart daughter, and I'm grateful. You know who you remind me of telling that story? Everybody's got their own story, and you never know what people are going through. But my dear friend, Lisa Marion Roberts, yes, and her her view toward life, mm-hmm. um, man, she was a special woman, wasn't she? She was, and I only met her once, and uh, that was when she received an award from the uh, United Way. But I know Dorothy very well, her daughter, and she's an amazing woman. Again, talk about vision and her experience and what she did with it. Her sister, Robin, her sister. I mean, their entire family. I mean, they're like rock stars. So, yes. You're, um, you, 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 you really define resilience. You literally define resilience. Hearing you tell your story and what you go through to be able to live and appreciate life and make your contributions, you define resilience and you feel that, don't you? Absolutely. I do. I feel so fortunate to, to be able to, to live with grace and show people not in loud words, but in the way that I live that it's not over till it's over. Woo. What a beautiful way to end this show. Listen, Karen, Oh, man, I've really enjoyed visiting with you. And I'm excited too, Ricky. For, for the people on the show who, who you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or, or Super Talk TV, you know that, that Karen has a beautiful smile. But I think for those who are listening on the radio or through podcasts, you can see it emanating just through her voice. And it is, uh, it's great to get reconnected again. And it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much. I'll see you have soon. A, have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. All righty. Thank you. Talk Mississippi Media Production.